0: Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast, episode 36. I'm Ryan, along with me always is Don. Don, how you doing today?
1: Doing good, Ryan. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing rather well. I uh, got a good trip coming up next week. Uh, I'm heading down to Pigeon Forge once again. So that's kind of exciting. I'm uh, planning this trip, expecting to ride Big Bear Mountain, but that's not going to be ready till May, so... I guess the positive out of that is that's another excuse to go back down to, to Dollywood, you know, but, um, uh, I am staying at the Dreammore resort for a night. So that's something I've always wanted to do. So I'm really excited about that. Sounds
1: like a good trip. And then plus all the things we talked about a few episodes ago, about all the things there are to do in East Tennessee. So you got to make sure you knock a couple of those off your bucket list.
0: Exactly. You know, one of the things that comes to mind is that, uh, I think it's the digging zone they're calling it, where the grown adults can pl- back like kids with the construction equipment. Yep. Um, I'm gonna check that out because I, I I think I know where that is. So yeah, I want to see what that is. Yeah. Well, it's I've never been one that like wanted to have a job like that, but presented with the opportunity to like dig a big hole with a big piece of equipment, mm-hmm. I would totally do that. Uh, I also would probably get myself killed doing it too. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Those of you who are listening to the audio version, Don has a new shirt. Don, tell us about your new shirt.
1: Well, it's Bucky's uh, Hawaiian shirt. I've been wanting to get one of these for quite some time, but uh, they were always out of them every time I would stop by Bucky. So I was able to um, get this over the weekend and very excited about it. Uh, I'm going to get another one too, uh, a red colored one. Uh, So I'm just going to start building my uh, inventory of Bucky shirts. So... You'll be seeing me either on the podcast with these, or if you see me out at a at a theme park, uh, I'll have these on. If I'm at a mall, restaurant, whatever it is, I'm gonna kind of phase out the other Hawaiian shirts, and it's all gonna be about Bucky's
0: all the time. Hmm. So you said they were sold out a lot. Do you think it was other podcast hosts hosts buying those up?
1: Well, I think it's everybody. You walk in the store, you know, and the right up front, you know, when you come in. And, you know, you're just drawn to it and it's a popular item and they don't last long flies off the shelf just like the briskets and the melts do.
0: Exactly, but what the difference is, the brisket and the melt, they're making constantly, but the Hawaiian shirts, they run out, they have to order them. So if you see them by Supply them, chain, supply chain. Supply, yeah, let's blame COVID for this one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, That's so right. I mean, uh, you know, where we are in the country, we typically drive down to, to Dollywood, so I will be making a stop at Bucky's as well, and let's see if I can find any memorabilia or anything like that, that would be fun to wear or fun to have. I, I, I've been going on spending sprees there. Um, the last couple of times I bought, you know, my, my big tumbler here, you know, that you have one of those too. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. I bought some Bucky's branded Altoids and something else. Like I can't, I can't remember what the third item was, but I ended up spending like 50 bucks when it was, I had sold my girlfriend on the idea of just stopping by to visit. You <laughs> know, you can't do it. I mean, it, it's impossible to walk out of there. You can go with the
1: best intentions and I'm just going to get a, you know, a soft drink and go to the restroom and fill up the gas tank and we're out of here, but that never happens. You know, you're going to end up buying one of the sandwiches, some of the, the snacks, the jerky, uh, the beaver nuggets, merchandise, you know, you, you just can't
0: go out of there empty handed. No awesome. way to do it. Awesome. So we're talking a lot about uh, various products on here, Don. Don, if a company's interested in us talking about their products, what can they do?
1: Well, sponsor the Attractions Group Podcast. It's, uh, you know, a great opportunity with sponsorship packages available. A uh, great spot to advertise your business. Get your eyeballs on your product every month. If you're interested, uh, just send us a DM on Twitter. And that's the best way to connect with us. But, uh, you know, so there's different levels, different opportunities. You know, we have things like the Pick 6 that you can sponsor. You can be the title sponsor. Uh, so, um, you know, it's, it's a great way to get your name out there. We're growing our audience, you know, week by week. And, uh, you know, we seem to be a good fit for a lot of, a lot of, uh, companies out there, whether you're big or small, uh, you know, consider it. Awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just send us a DM. Um, also, uh, so for those of you who are just joining the party now, welcome. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we can be found at attractions Yes. I was late to the game and that's why it's just GRP. All right. So that uh, we always tweet out news information, ask yes questions. We'd be interactive. So the Twitter's really fun. So if you're so inclined to use Twitter, make sure that you follow us. You can follow us on all of the major podcast platforms. We're talking about mm-hmm. Apple, Spotify, Google, and so on. Uh, just search for the Attractions Group podcast. Uh, likewise, if you're listening to the audio version, we do a video version. Uh, the video version is really fun, and we've got uh sometimes we have visual cues and stuff like that. So to get the full experience, make sure that you follow us on on YouTube by searching for the Attractions Group Podcast. Uh, links for all these things will be in the description. If you want to support the show by making a small donation, uh, we are accepting small donations through the Buy Me a Coffee link, which is in the description, in which you can you know throw us a couple bucks to help keep this show on the road. So, Don, we've been doing a ton of talking. And that is the subject of this podcast here because we're going to talk all about the roller coaster lingo. Now, some of this stuff is official stuff that has been issued by the manufacturer, and some of this stuff is stuff that people have just come up with and is just kind of stuck in the industry. Um, so uh let me let me just uh Throwing at you right now. So for those of you who don't know what a lift hill is, this is very basic. A lift hill is simply the hill on a roller coaster. There's typically one, sometimes two, occasionally more, very rarely, but it has that clinkety clackety chain to tow you up the hill and take you to the top so gravity can do its job from there on out. So that's a lift hill.
1: Uh, Well, since you're talking about lift hills, I'll go with drop. You know, again, it's something that should be very self-explanatory what a drop is. But it's the vertical descent from the highest point on the coaster. And that's what a drop is. So you'll hear coaster enthusiasts if you're in line. And what we're trying to do here for everybody, too, is, you know, you have friends that are coaster fans and they start using this lingo. And we're trying to help you out so you can understand what the heck they're talking about.
0: Absolutely. This is for you. Just understand that. We're doing it for you. Airtime. tell Airtime is the favorite term of the coaster enthusiast. So that's when you get a vertical sensation as if you're going to fly out of your seat. Uh, Under best case scenario, under most case scenario, this is simulated and you're not really going to fly out of your seat. But think of it as like uh, when you hit turbulence on an airplane, how you get that weightlessness feeling for just a second. That um, is very common on roller coasters. It's very intentional. And, uh, with the, uh, with that, it kind of gives a more of a thrilling element to the ride because it gives that perceived danger, although there is no true danger.
1: All right. Next inversion. You'll hear that word come up a lot. Uh, it's a maneuver that takes riders upside down or through a complete loop. And it's one of the favorite elements, uh, for coaster enthusiasts.
0: I feel like we should say the term, spell it, say the term again. And then treat it like a spelling bee <laughs> just to do it different right. sometimes because I can't spell some of these words. Uh, so the next one a crossover a crossover is when two elements of the track cross each other. So, uh, most of the time, this is not necessarily for the riders, it's more for the people watching. Uh, it creates the best photo elements, and that's when you know a train uh crosses between. Uh, for example, one that comes to mind is uh, uh, the former ride the vortex at King's Island, how it would have. The corkscrews go through the middle of the two vertical loops, which is probably the most legendary roller coaster photo in in history, if not for Loch Ness Monster, which has, you know, interlocking loops, which is pretty awesome. All right. Upstop
1: wheels. That is the device that rides under the structure or under the, um, the track, whether it's wood or it's steel. There's the upstop wheels, and that's what keeps the coaster on the track
0: awesome yeah the upstop wheel uh oftentimes people don't understand why the roller coasters don't fly off the track and that's that's the reason why they don't is because of the upstop wheels um okay uh well let's go uh just for a little bit of fun um let's talk about a batwing uh that's a boomerang inversion which consists of two half vertical loops each 45 degree angle with half the inversion facing each other uh so that kind of simulates the look and feel of a bat itself.
1: I like that term. That's one of the ones that, uh, you know, you'll hear every now and then. And, uh, most people aren't going to know what that is. So let's talk about, um, G forces. That's the sensation of pressure. It's experienced by your body as the coaster moves through the curves, the twists, the turns, uh, and that's the G forces.
0: Yep. Yep, exactly. And, uh, just to clarify the term, There's positive G's and there's negative G's. Negative G's are airtime, the term that we've covered earlier. Mm -hmm. Positive G's are pushing down on you. And then there's lateral G's, which push you to the side, you know, all of which are sensations that you will, uh, that you will see when you ride a roller coaster, you'll experience when you ride a roller coaster. All right. So the next one is barrel roll. So barrel roll is a term for an inversion corkscrew maneuver where the section of track more turns in place. So, as opposed to having like a like a uh of like a flower petal shaped loop, it's the roller coaster track just twists, so that's a very popular type of of attraction as well.
1: The next one we'll talk about very basic everybody should know what this means the station and that's the platform rider's board, and they disembarked from the coaster train
0: absolutely yeah, and now um. We're going to see this sometimes uh, because sometimes there are there are a couple of variants of stations. There's the loading station. Sometimes there's an unloading station. So uh, if a train comes around full of people, uh, it stops. It lets all the people off and then it goes empty into the station. So that would be an unloading station and a loading station. And then occasionally for lower capacity rides to combat that, they'll have a dual station, a dual loading station where two trains are loaded at the same time and there's a switch track involved. All right, um, what's a really good one? Oh, let's do uh, anti-rollback device. So this is something that people should know. You know how roller coasters have that clickety-clackety noise? All, almost all of them have it. That's the an anti-rollback mechanism. So it's got a very simple function. When the train's being towed up the hill, if the chain were to snap, the roller coaster won't go backward into the station and then hit the train behind it. It'll stop it instantly. So what it does is it has like a like a flange hanging down which hits uh hits teeth. And the teeth on uh when it hits the teeth it makes the clanking noise as it's going up. Uh that was patented in the 1920s I believe by John A Miller. Uh I believe he was with Philadelphia, Philadelphia toboggan at the time, but shout out to Johnny Miller for uh for keeping us all safe because those to my knowledge have never failed.
1: Break run will be the next one. Uh this track section after maybe it's a final drop or you you come back into uh, the station depending on how many trains are running uh, so a brake run can be anywhere from you know 50 feet to 300 feet long uh, but that's what you you use is the brake run to, to stop the train before it comes in and everyone exits the train.
0: Yeah uh, and, and just just for further clarification there are two very basic types of brake runs the most common type uses like a very tight clamp mechanism that grabs onto um a fin on the bottom of the train and that's the thing that you hear uh the other one is silent it's kind of a newer technology and it's magnetic so that'll slow down the train but it won't Mm -hmm. necessarily take it to a stop
1: yeah and you can have brake runs mid-course as well
0: too Exactly, exactly. All right. Um, and then, so the next one will be launch system. So launch system does what it says it does. It launches a train. Um, there are two major types of launches. There's LIMs, linear induction motors, and LSMs, linear synchronous motors. What the difference is? I don't know. LSMs are far more common now. So anything that's built been built in the last probably 15 years probably uses LSMs, uh, linear induction used to be really inefficient, but it was far more common up until like the early 2000s. Uh, with the exception being, throwing back to Dollywood, Big Bear Mountain, uh, Vekoma decided to use linear induction motors because they were able to retrofit their current trains to use linear induction motors. But they made updates to the motors to make them similarly efficient to LSM motors. So that's more information that you probably ever want to know about launches, <laughs> unless you're an engineer. And if you are, we'd love to hear more from you. All right, just next term, always a hot button with coaster enthusiast, trim
1: brakes. Uh, trim brakes on a coaster track, uh, they're in place to slow down the train in a controlled manner in certain parts of the ride. Uh, enthusiasts don't want to hear it, but trim brakes are your friend. Uh, you can't be selfish. You have to want these rides to um, be around for further uh, generations to experience and enjoy just as much as you do. Uh, so they're a necessity to prolong the life of a roller coaster,
0: yep, couldn't agree more. you know it's uh some argue that it takes away from the sensation, but the reality is that it saves the life of the coaster, so you wouldn't have some of these wooden coasters living to be a hundred years old if it weren't for trim brakes um no, not at all, so next thing up, we've got uh Ace, the American coaster enthusiasts, so that's the world's largest uh roller coaster uh organization uh they're a 501c3 nonprofit founded in 1978 in the Richmond Virginia area a- area they were uh dreamt up by a bunch of roller coaster enthusiasts that uh went there for a television filming on um was it Rebel Yell that they were writing for that don do you know
1: Rebel Yell yeah it was for the movie roller coaster
0: Absolutely okay so um but uh, so now it's, uh, I believe that they just announced that they had surpassed 7,000 members and they hit some sort of milestone on, uh, on Facebook of having tens of thousands of people following them. So good on them. If you're interested in more, uh, we actually had Elizabeth Ringus a couple weeks ago on the show. Mm-hmm. She's the current president of the American Coaster Enthusiast. Lovely lady. Had a lot of cool things to say.
1: Yeah, hard to believe that club now, 45 years old. Uh, the next term, Camelback. Now, Ryan, this term describes a series of hills on a wooden or steel roller coaster where each preceding hill is maybe slightly smaller than the preceding one. And these produce those airtime moments that roller coaster enthusiasts crave.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that'll jam you up in your seat and love every second of it. All right. Uh, so the next one's Cobra Roll. Let's see how you define this one. Cause I've always had trouble thinking what a Cobra Roll was. <laughs> I just, it, it's like a the the thing with pornography in the supreme court in 1978 you know it when you see it uh, but a, a camel uh, camelback the term describes a yeah. series of hills i'm sorry can't, i'm reading the wrong one don <laughs> cobra roll a term used to describe a double inversion that can be used on some roller coaster designers such as M. the design element looks similar to the hood of a striking cobra okay i always thought it looked like a cobra i did not know that both of the Inversions were involved. I thought it was just the first one, so that's interesting to me. So you can see those on boomerangs. Uh, you come down right. the first lift hill, and then it it does the the um kind of the cobra looking thing. But that's mm-hmm. kind of
1: cool. All right, next another hot topic with enthusiasts: uh, what qualifies, what doesn't, is giga coaster. Now this is a term used to describe a roller coaster. It has a height or a drop of 300 or more feet and that qualifies as a giga coaster
0: yep and the controversy around orion at 286 feet but a 300 foot drop is it a giga well the fact of the matter is cedar fair came up with the name for millennium four so if they say that orion's a giga too guess what it's a giga 300
1: foot drop <laughs> it counts as a giga
0: right I, I think there are other um coasters. learn it
1: Live it, like it, <laughs> love it. I
0: it's, think that, it's a gig. I think there are other coasters that also have uh, drops that are more than two or three hundred feet that uh, count themselves in those categories. Uh, Phantom's Revenge comes to mind as well. well. Let me ask you this: Does it really matter
1: if it's a giga, a hype, or whatever it is? I think I, I'm just interested in this. Is it a great ride? Does it deliver
0: a great ride experience? To me, it doesn't matter what the label is. See, I see it this way: If it doesn't matter who wins, then why keep score? <laughs> uh, totally kidding. Yeah. I, I, I would rather ride an excellent hundred foot coaster than a crappy 300 foot coaster, you know, and, and I'd rather, you know, yeah. I mean, I think anyone would, I think it's fun to tout the statistics, but, uh, the reality is the the numbers only matter the day of the announcement and beyond that they do not. Okay. Um, I'm gonna make sure I don't, Oh, I got a good one. All right. A dark ride. So a dark ride Is term used for by enthusiasts to describe the ride that moves riders to an indoor environment, uh, such as a haunted house, like a haunted mansion at Disneyland. Um, so the definition we have here is that it's uh enthusiasts use that term, but that's that's a real thing. That's an industry term, you know. Uh Sally's dark rides is one of the biggest manufacturers in the country, Mm -hmm. and they certainly use that. So um I don't think that the term is on let me check real quick so there's no spoiler. Okay, so we don't have the term flat ride on here. So that's always... We do not. Huh?
1: We do not. We
0: do not. So dark ride is obvious because you're in the dark. A flat ride, however, is anything besides a dark ride, a water ride, or roller coaster. So a 500-foot drop ride is a flat ride. You know? Or flats is the enthusiast column. I always thought that was weird. All right, moving on.
1: Moving on. E-R-T. That means either exclusive or extra ride time uh, during roller coaster enthusiast events, uh, or it's a perk for season pass holders at select uh, parks, or maybe uh, group sales has booked a big group and they're promising them ride time before the park opens, or maybe you know it's not going to be open to the public, uh, you know, for a certain part of the day, so groups can have it. So it's either it either means uh, exclusive or extra, however you want to wanna term it.
0: I always thought it stood for early ride time, and I thought it was weird that people said it for the evening, but it's not. It's extra no, ride time.
1: Exclusive oh. or extra. Or it could be early if you wanted it to be that way. I mean, it could be anything you want. So wasn't it... It just means it's an addition to. How about that? Would, we'll just go with I, that. Yeah, it, it, to. E
0: is Latin for in addition to, <laughs> with our definition. I always was under the assumption, and this is probably true, that it was always exclusive ride time. Um but uh like it came came to be known as early ride time when disney started ending um not early ride time extra ride time when disney started adding extra magic hours they put that into the yeah. the uh the vernacular and and that's why that evolved okay so the next one is a type of roller coaster it is a floorless coaster so that is a coaster literally where your feet dangle and mm-hmm. there's no floor below you but the caveat is the track is still below you so the floor kind of falls out from you on the, uh, in the station and you get a special kind of view and, you know, you feel like you're going to kick the track the entire time. Don, what's your favorite floorless coaster?
1: There's so many that, you know, I enjoy that. I, I, it's like trying to, to say, who's your favorite child. I I can't do that.
0: We only have one child. I don't want to, so. don't
1: want to signal out just one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've only written a handful of them, but they're all, they're all pretty fun. So it's always a solid addition to the lineup, and we haven't seen them in a while. What's next? No. A heartline roll. Now, this term is used to
1: describe an element in which the train will twist, but the writer's heart, now imagine this, the writer's heart remains in line with the center of gravity.
0: Exactly. So a uh, heartline roll is very similar to the one of the ones that I had up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Similar, but different to a barrel roll. So I, a barrel roll, literally the track twist, a heartline line roll uh, is a little bit closer to a corkscrew, but still. A very small inversion, very small, very intense inversion.
1: Yeah. Now, if you've ridden Banshee at King's Island, you've experienced a heartline roll.
0: Yeah, exactly. OK, so. Moving right along. Uh, we are to the h- hybrid roller coaster. So, what's a hybrid roller coaster? That's a roller coaster that is neither wood nor steel. So, it makes friends with everybody. Um, think Rocky Mountain Construction, things like Steel Vengeance at Cedar yeah. Point. Uh, these have been built up over the past twenty years to be some of the most intense roller coasters on earth. Fan favorites, usually big, usually huge, always a lot of fun.
1: Emmelman, roll. This is one of my favorite terms. I always would hear people, uh, the enthusiasts whether in line waiting to ride a coaster just talking about, I can't wait to experience the Emmelman Roll or they're taking photos. I got a great shot of the Emmelman Roll. And this is a term uh, used to describe a, it's a diving loop on an inverted steel coaster. Um, the element is named after a World War One German pilot who invented the flying maneuver.
0: Yep. World War One German pilot that's, invented a maneuver like that i guess they don't fly them like that anymore now it's all drones you know it's all drones correct uh, all right so uh next is bents so this is a term that even co- some coaster enthusiasts may not know but uh that is the um vertical wood pieces that help support a roller coaster structure so they dis- they're the ones that come out from the sides and they disperse the forces so they keep the coaster up they keep the deflection down and they keep the ride rolling
1: it's always one of the first things that uh, you know when you're building a wooden roller coaster that a park will highlight when they say that uh construction you know vertical construction has begun is, is showing those first vents going in mm-hmm. uh, block breaks now this term refers to sections of track that can be blocked from others Uh, using brakes. It's a built-in safety system. It prevents multiple trains from being in the same location at any one time. Now let's talk about the Beast, a perfect ride to talk about block brakes. There's going to be different areas on uh, the coaster that has that. Uh, So you never have three trains or two trains in the same spot at the same time. So let's take the second lift hill on the Beast. Say the train's going up at that point, but it stops for whatever reason on the lift. Well, the block on the first lift isn't going to let that train go over the hill until the train on the second lift has left that lift. So that's what a block break
0: would do for you. Did you know that the term blocking system, block break, stuff like that came from the railroad? I always thought it was an industry term, yeah. but it was just so uh, trains and train yards wouldn't crash. It's the same concept because you're still working same with trains, concept,
1: exactly. but it keeps the distance between the trains and you'll see in the morning uh, before rides open, or if they have to reopen them maybe at there's a you know it's down for weather or whatever reason uh they're going to have to go through those cycles so you'll see them stopping trains at different points on the track just to make sure that they all work and once they've cleared the blocks then the, the ride opens
0: yeah so essentially my understanding of what they're doing is they're intentionally faulting the thing they're stopping a train to make sure that the next train successfully is stopped by the PLC the computer mm-hmm. um to uh to make sure it doesn't crash into it and you know they're usually very very good and uh they prevent things like that so that is tested every time the coaster is down for any any extended time whether it's overnight or if it's down for an hour or whatever they'll they'll do that kind of testing in most parks so that's really cool all right so the next one um hyper coaster so that is a coaster that is between has a height or a drop between the distance of or say let's say a, di- a height of 200 to 299 feet once it hits 300 then it's a giga coaster so it's 200 to 299 feet uh magnum xl 200 uh diamondback king's island and um intimidator at carowinds are all perfect examples of hyper coasters an inverted coaster
1: uh the train hangs underneath the tracks but unlike a suspended coaster it cannot pivot freely you know also the inverted coasters have no floors and riders' legs will dangle.
0: Yep, that's always uh, people always confuse uh, suspended and inverted coasters. The biggest difference is that if you if you'd see it, you know it. If with an inverted coaster, the people's feet are hanging down. With a suspended coaster, they're sitting inside tubs. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, whoa! I'm glad you stuck me with this one. My absolute. I'm not. I'm not a big person on favorite coasters and this and that and so on because I love it all. But I would say that if I had to choose a favorite roller coaster element, the zero g roll is my favorite element. Yeah. Uh it's a roller coaster inversion where the track twists 360 degrees as it rises or falls in elevation uh, usually at the crest of a hill. Um so it's very similar to the heartline roll that you discussed uh except it's far more intense. It's very disorienting. So absolutely absolutely love that. So Don, did you learn anything when you created this list?
1: You know, I think when I, you know, created the list and here we are sharing it with uh with our audience and you and I are, you know, both taking in what each other's saying. I, I think we all learned a lot. Uh, I think we all grew as, as uh, coaster enthusiasts tonight here on, on the attractions group podcast. So, um, you know, if you got your own type of terms too, that, uh, you know, you, you would like to include to our list, go ahead and uh, send us a tweet, tell us your favorite coaster terms, or if you learned anything tonight that you didn't know, or if you want to dispute us, we're all about that too. Uh, you know, again, drop us a tweet at, uh, at our Twitter
0: handle at attractions underscore GRP.
1: That's right. Uh,
0: Yeah. Tweet us, let us know. so easy to remember. Right. Uh, So, you know, there's, there's a lot of different, uh, most of these are actual industry terms, but, uh, there's a lot of them out there. Like, uh, I know that roller coaster enthusiasts, I just learned are calling themselves thuzies now, which I think was, was an insult they used to throw at each other, but now they're taking it back. Uh, so good on them. Um,
1: yeah. So some of these, we kind of took our own, you know, um, you know, spin on a little bit, you know, with what it is and, you know, but they're the type of things that if you do have, um, you know, if you had friends that are hanging out with you and you're starting to throw these things at them, you know, they would want to know what you're talking about. So it'd be a good thing to, to send them to, um, you know, just look up, you know, roller coaster terminologies or uh, terminology 101, coaster lingo, any of those kind of things, but have them understand that uh so they know what you're talking about when you're waiting in line for your favorite rides and you're starting to call out some of the elements on the ride Uh, you want them to be able to join the conversation uh with you and and be able to uh be on the same playing field as you when you're talking about these elements on rides
0: absolutely uh just one more thing i want to do because this is going to come up as well if you're ever in that situation but uh best examples of each manufacturer okay um, so I'll start. So let's say, uh, this is another one where when you see their track, you know exactly who it is. So let's start with B and M. So Raptor at Cedar Point, uh, Banshee at Kings Island, two completely different rides. If you flip the track upside down, they would almost look identical. Uh, Diamondback at Kings Island, Intimidator at Carowinds, um, the, the list goes on. There's literally hundreds of them across the world. Uh, but B and M is uh, often regarded as one of the Cadillacs of roller coasters. Um, finely precision Swiss engineering. Uh, they're all very, very smooth, very reliable. Um, typically high capacity rides. You know. Uh, what's what's next? Uh, well, I wanted you to say another manufacturer. Just, yeah. just a couple of examples.
1: Uh let's go with um let's go with uh, Gravity Group. Yeah. And they're gonna be, you know, associated with wooden roller coasters. And um over the last couple of years they've developed that new technology. Uh, you know, what what they do with the pre-cut um sections of track where in the past they would stack um the the track boards on top of each other. And they do it the other way. They flip it to where they're now side by side instead of on top of each other. And it makes a much stronger uh, track. Um, you know, they introduced this a couple years ago on the racer at Kings Island and a couple other places uh, overseas and that that they did. So uh, it, it's kind of the wave of the future with wooden roller coasters. And as you see these older coasters getting uh, retracted in the gravity groups doing it. Uh, they're putting in their new technology and it just makes for just a super smooth ride.
0: Absolutely. It makes everything so much better and so smooth. Um examples of gravity group are The Voyage at Holiday World and uh, Kentucky Flyer at Kentucky mm-hmm. Kingdom in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, Intamin is another huge one. They made Millennium Force. Uh, you always know them because they either have 4 or 3 rail roller coaster track. It's always very triangular or very square. Um, but they are known for their huge, tallest, fastest, longest, that sort of stuff. You know, um, you know, Millennium Force, uh, the ride formerly known as Top Thrill Dragster, King Decaw, they're all Intamin. Uh Intamin kind of was absent from the United States for uh a while, um, you know, for, for about 10 years, and they made a comeback with VelociCoaster at uh Universal. And VelociCoaster is more leaning towards conventional track, uh, Velocica, even Intimidator 305 at, at, uh, Dominion. Um, you know, they look like traditional roller coaster track, but, uh, many of the giga coasters of the world, I think all but two, um, are Intamin. Uh, all, no, all but three, I think are Intamin. Tweet at us and roast me the comments. I'd love it because <laughs> I don't know these facts offhand. Um, but, uh, it's a very good one, you know, very well known. Oh, classic man. It's a classic, isn't it? I'm going to take myself off camera. You talk about Schwarzkopf then I'm going to show something cool. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, Schwarzkopf is uh you know, one of the most popular uh
0: manufacturers with a lot of coaster
1: enthusiasts. You know, you you look at rides like um you know, Shockwave down at um you know, Six Flags over Texas, uh you know, things like that. So, very popular steel coaster. Uh and uh they got a little bit involved with some other projects as well too but uh i think everybody loves you know getting on the old schwarzkopf type coasters yeah they also do some other other kind of uh not necessarily roller coasters but some of the other uh, fun rides that are after that
0: you know you're riding on a track exactly um and what i wanted to show i think i've shown this on the show before but the national roller coaster museum is selling 3d printed schwarzkopf logos um so i bought a couple of these. Uh these things are cool though. If you love this is so dead on to the Schwartzkopf logo, it's not great. It's not uh, they worked with uh Anton Schwartzkopf's son or grandson um mm-hmm. to commission this and get permission and so on. Uh but you know, I'll leave a link in the description to the National Roller Coaster Museum's uh website where you can order these things, but that's really cool. But that very being-
1: super smooth rides
0: too, and great airtime on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then also, uh, they're, they're from an era where stuff was felt far more intense than it should be. That's the way I always felt about it. All right. Uh, moving along next manufacturer, let's talk about aerodynamics. So when you think of, a steel roller coaster, especially throughout the sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties, it's typically an aero coaster. They built so many looping coasters, um, you know they they even built the first uh the first hyper coaster magnum x l two hundred uh but when you think of a classic uh steel roller coaster, it's probably an arrow that you're thinking of,
1: yeah you're talking about the retired vortex at king's island um the original you know bat that was at king's island big bad wolf that was at uh bush gardens williamsburg uh you know just just so many uh corkscrew rides you know those are you know the arrows so uh definitely have you know their places cemented in the amusement theme park industry history. I mean, they're part of the fabric of it.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I believe you have the next one if you want it. The next one, you just threw out Arrow, right? I did Arrow. Uh, We're thinning out we a little know. bit, but there's still some really good yeah, ones out no, there. let's go with Zamperla. Oh, man. Great choice.
1: Great And that is just so many different attractions, not just roller coasters. You could build your own park with plenty of like family rides, the flat rides, some roller coasters and only work exclusively with Zamperla and not be disappointed.
0: Zamperla is one of those companies that I always thought of as like a small flat kitty ride manufacturers and then in the past couple of years they they built this train that can do like giga coaster stuff and they're up and coming. Nice people too. If you ever uh, run across them at IAPA, um cool. Uh, I believe I have the next one. Um I'm gonna go with RMC. We already mentioned them in your original list, but Rocky Mountain Construction. Uh, big fallacy is to think that they're a roller coaster company. They are, but they also do tons of other construction projects, like they built like wave pools and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, they're based out of Idaho, and they make they primarily make um, those hybrid coasters that they're known for. Uh, it's straight a little bit from this recently, but their classic thing was to take a wooden coaster and then they cut off all the track and then they rebuild it as a far more extreme as far as smoother experience but you could always identify an rmc because it uh it's a wooden roller coaster track and then the actual well structure and then the track itself looks like two red i-beams rather than mm-hmm. your conventional track but that's rmc
1: i'll throw a philadelphia toboggan classic uh you know, a lot of the roller coasters, you know, um, 40s and 50s, 60s. Um, John Allen uh, worked for Philadelphia Toboggan and designed many of, of uh, the older coasters you see out there. He was uh, the one that designed the racer at Kings Island. Um, carousels, uh, they were, you know, really known for that. Now, today they're not necessarily building uh, new attractions, but they maintain uh, coaster cars, uh, carousels. Uh, so they're still, you know, very involved in the industry, but you're not seeing them, you know, anymore, you know, designing from scrap, you know, the ground floor up, uh, wooden coasters anymore.
0: Awesome, yeah.
1: Um, that was the first. That was the first manufacturer that I ever became aware of uh, was Philadelphia Toboggan, and you know, specifically because of, of the
0: Racer. Absolutely, yep. Classic man. Uh, they refurbish trains now. If you're interested in more uh, Philadelphia Toboggan PTC, as the friends call it um we had the owners the Rebbe family on a couple episodes ago so look at our back catalog um
1: yeah one more maybe Ryan yeah okay
0: i let's just throw one more out if anybody's listening and works for one of these manufacturers we didn't mention you we love you we promise we just don't can't mention all of them cuz there's so many uh but one that comes up is mock rides uh and i really wanted to make yeah. sure that they got eked in because mock rides was one where um they you didn't really hear much about them in the united states for a while and now they're the ones that people want Uh they've made copperhead strike
1: mm-hmm.
0: um you know that's a great ride by the way uh, yeah copperhead strike is a great ride it's got a lot of hang time um they have um uh the time traveler which is an extreme spinning coaster which is my number one bucket list coaster that's at uh uh silver dollar city in branson missouri so that's really exciting um so cool on them uh i just want to throw one more out there uh so, because I forgot, but Gerschlauer, fantastic. Um, if you got, if you're, if you're a park, you want to buy a Gerschlauer, reach out to our friend, Chris Roberry with uh, Ride Entertainment. Uh, gershlower has been around forever. Uh, they made Hangtime at Knott's Berry Farm. They made a, a bunch of stuff at, at Dollywood. So cool on them. Cool. Can you think of anything else that's really important that we drop in this section?
1: Uh, not at the moment, but uh, it kind of spurs an idea that, uh, you know, we can have another, a podcast down the road where we're just really highlighting on these different manufacturers and maybe their three or four most notable attractions that they've done. I think that would be an interesting one. Yeah.
0: Or what they're known for, like what to expect out of them. I mentioned with B and M that's reliability, smooth for intimate. It's, you know, the speed the the first of its kind, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Um, you know, Gerstlauer is the crazy stuff like mystery mine and you know, that sort of thing, but very cool. All right. And now it's time for The Pick Six. All right. The Pick Six is a segment that we do on almost every show where we pick six six articles from the theme park industry, articles, patents, things like that, that are bits of news that we might think that you might find interesting. And we do have a brief discussion on them. So Don, take us away.
1: Well, we got Dolly Parton, the face of Dollywood. You know, she's always out there talking about all the new things that they're doing, whether it's ride, foods, uh, entertainment. Uh, but she recently revealed she doesn't ride the roller coasters at Dollywood and most of the other attractions. And one of the reasons would be that uh, because of her hair, the wig that she wears, you know, she's afraid that, uh, you know, that could come flying off on a ride and she would have an embarrassing moment there. But, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting that uh, she doesn't ride any of the rides.
0: Yeah, I I think that she originally passed off that she was afraid of them. And then she admitted, like, well, I've got parts of me that could fly off, but I've also heard. I think she said that she sleeps in her wig and her makeup, so she's never been photographed publicly, um, in the all natural. <laughs> so that's kind of an interesting um story about Aunt Dolly. But uh, Dolly Parton is uh is a uh, is a doll. She's a gem. She's God's gift to people. So uh, if she doesn't want to ride the rides, then we completely support her, right? She has been on the train. I do know that. Well, that's good. <laughs> okay. So, uh, the next one. So, uh, Walt Disney World introduces Disney Photo Pass Video Memories. So, I was looking into this, Don, and it looks like um that the Video Pass basically is like the Photo Pass, but now you can do video segments and you can edit them and integrate them together. Um, so all the guests using the the My Disney Experience MDX as they call it app, uh, begin creating your video memories by selecting a template for your Disney template collection to create a theme for your video memory. So what I'm not clear about, and maybe you could read this a little bit better than I can. um, Is this, is it doing more stuff with video or is it taking your photos and making a video out of them?
1: came across to me that it's uh, incorporating video into it. So you'd have the photo option, but there's also the video option now. So Uh, Two totally different things, but I also like that you can kind of pick what type of video you want uh, when you're when you're selecting it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, One of the things I thought was so cool that I'm sure we'll see at other parks in the next decade or so is I think it was Big Thunder Mountain. They have an RFID uh, chip or something in the lap bar. So if it detects your magic band and you have the photo pass, it'll actually just put it right on your account. You don't have to tap with anybody or anything like that. So very, very cool.
1: Well, Ryan, whenever there's a new attraction, one of the most exciting things uh, you know, for me is uh, seeing its cycle for the first time and testing of the SeaWorld Orlando Pipeline surf coaster is now underway. So uh, how excited are you uh, to see that happening?
0: So I'll tell you this. Um, I, uh, I'm not a big fan of stand-up coasters, so this is similar but different. It's a new take on it. So I'm actually particularly excited about this because I want to see how it turned out because I think... Stand-up coasters are relatively uncomfortable. I think it like uh, just puts a lot of pressure on your legs, especially if you're taller. So this this may be different, but I'm really looking forward to getting down to SeaWorld Orlando to check this out. How about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, want to check it out. But you know, I just enjoy seeing, you know, the videos of these, you know, first time cycles, you know. So first looks behind the scenes. I'm always all about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So new limited time Universal Orlando annual pass perks coming in May. So there aren't any details released, but the UOAP website says the benefits will include secret menus, dedicated entrances, discounts, giveaways, and other fun things. I think that's really cool. Um, I think that's a great way to drive attendance if that's your goal with the AP stuff, uh, because if you can have a person go there and have an experience that they hadn't had before, even though they go, you know, dozens of times per year, that's a super win, especially the secret menu because they don't have meal plans there. So if you want to try the secret stuff, you're paying for it. So good on them. That's the one that caught my attention was the secret menus because,
1: you know, you're always the, the dining experience and across the board at, you know, parks throughout the country has really been elevated in the past, you know, several years and, and, to have that secret menu, something that, you know, anyone else coming to the park that is not an annual pass holder cannot get, you know, I, I think that's a great benefit.
0: See, I think that it might work for them, but, uh, but if for your typical seasonal park and seasonal park chain, I think it would be a tough pill to swallow of there's this food item, your season pass person wants to buy it, but the average ticket holder wants to give you their money for it. And you tell them no. Like, I, I understand the novelty of it. I see what they're trying to do. But I don't think that, would, that formula would work everywhere. Do you? No, it wouldn't work everywhere.
1: And then these dedicated entrances that they're talking about, you know, you and I have both been uh, to Universal Orlando many times. And, you know, I'm trying to, to think in my mind where they would have these these dedicated entrances.
0: I assume that it's just the same entrance, uh, but it's like, like maybe your own lane, particular right? Lanes like an that exclusive are... lane or something. Yeah, I, I completely agree okay i think you're up well disneyland
1: they've revamped mickey's toontown to improve accessibility and relaxation Uh, a lot of things going on with that uh you know offering natural trees artificial uh, turf like green spaces benches um shady uh areas that they're they're adding because you know there really wasn't a lot of shade there uh new play areas i think it's great to see a lot of um you know, refurbishment going into Toontown there.
0: I completely agree. I think that especially in today's market, uh, there there's a lot of that whole thing of um everything has to be loud and get your attention and stuff and to have those quiet areas. Uh parks used to have them decades ago, but they don't anymore. So it's cool to see them turn around. All right. Uh so one I'm kind of excited about uh the return of the greatest show on earth. Uh so I guess Feld Entertainment's responsible for this, uh, Ringling Brothers' Barnum & Bailey Circus announced their first um, North American tour in years. I I think it was 2015, 2016 or so when the circus closed. Uh, The new circus will be uh, reimagined. Obviously, it's not going to include any animals, but uh, the way that they describe it on their website is that um, the greatest show on earth bringing to life An arena spectacle of unbelievable scale. The greatest show on earth will debut stunning feats of real human achievement. Musical performance blended with aerial artistry, modern comedy, and never seen before acts on a high wire. Uh, It's going to have trapeze with bicycles and more. The uh, reimagined American icon will captivate families through a multi-platform 360 degree experience that brings fans into the action. Creating real connections between audiences and performers from all over the world. Good on them. I'm glad uh in a I always thought that it was weird that the circus was owned by somebody. Um if you watch uh, there's a lot of documentaries on it but the, the Ringling Brothers bottom. First of all, if you look at just the name of it, it's Felt Entertainment presents the Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey Circus. So it's got like five names just right there in its actual name. But um it was actually owned by Mattel for a while. Um like the Barnum family sold it and you know that was in like the 40s or so and I know closer to like, I think the 80s, Mattel Mattel bought it from Feld Entertainment. Now, Feld was a show producer too. So it's not like some corporate guru, but Feld owned it, sold it to Mattel, like the toy company, bought it back, uh, and they continue to own it. Um, And for perspective, Feld Entertainment owns um, like Monster Jam, like with the monster trucks, Disney on Ice, and a lot of the traveling shows like that. Don, are you a circus fan? You know, I always enjoyed it. I would go a lot
1: as a kid. Uh, Cincinnati Gardens had. Um, a circus every year was the Shrine Circus, so we would go to that. Um, you know, I've seen the bigger ones uh, at other places, and you know, yeah, I'm a fan of. I think it's something that if it's in town, you know, I'd I'd want to go check it out for sure. I think the one thing that's interesting here is, uh, in, you know, when you think circus, you often think of the animals, you know, the, the lions and the tigers and those kind of things going through the rings and that. But uh, uh, what they have in mind, you know, with the different stunts, I think it's become. You know, um, nowadays, you know, people are into the stunt spectaculars. So I think that, uh, you know, it looks like they've got a good game plan. It's exciting to see it come back. Definitely has name recognition uh, with it. So, you know, I I think this is going to be great.
0: Yeah, Um, I always thought not only was it a super entertaining show, uh, but the history behind it and how American the circus is, uh, is incredibly cool. Uh, I'm really excited about it coming back. Uh, if you want to check it out, obviously ringling.com is their website. You can see they've got a couple dozen cities where pre-sale or tickets are on sale or whatever. It's actually coming to our hometown of Cincinnati in October, I think. Uh, so count yeah. me in, I'll be there. Um, but I, I always felt well, like you... I, I always, they, when they closed the circus, I did come to the the last show in Cincinnati and, you know, they had already announced that the, the show, the, the circus was closing and it was like, um, you know, they always number i like, it was 137th ringling brothers. Tour. Mm-hmm. So every year when they go on tour, that's the number, you know, and, um, they made it they all, they, they, the ring announcer and the ring announcer, I'm into wrestling. Now the ring leader, the ring leader said our very last ringling brothers, Barnum and Bailey tour, I always figured it would come back. I was more confident of it when the greatest showman, the Hugh Jackman movie was such a hit that it rekindled interest. Um, knew the animals probably weren't going to come back because you ruffled too many feathers, no pun intended that way. Um, but so glad to hear this, uh, again, count me in so exciting. Awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the circus, you know, we grew up with it, you know, and, and to think now the kids that are, you know, four or five, six, seven years old, uh, you know, that they're going to now be introduced to it. And, you know, as this sticks around and years from now, they'll be taking their kids to it. So it's, you know, it's history, tradition, it's multi-generational,
0: uh, you know, I think it's great to see it back. Absolutely. I've always been super curious about the life of circus performers. You know, I mean, because you got to think, first of all, they're, they've got to be unique people. It doesn't, I mean, you've worked with the, with many of the Willindas directly. It takes a very special, different individual to walk a high wire. So I imagine it's the same for the trapeze and the clowns and all that stuff. But it's also, it's like 10 or 11 months on the road and then you get a month off at your home in Sarasota. You know, so. Yeah. I would love to hear their story. So if anybody knows like a circus clown or something that's willing to come on the show and talk about that, we'd love to hear from them.
1: Yeah. You ever gone through Sarasota,
0: Ryan? Um, I have never been through, through Sarasota now.
1: Yeah. If you drive around enough and you go down different streets and that, you'll see a lot of the circus performers that in their yard, they've got whatever kind of stuff, you know, if they're a high wire person or whatever, you know, they've, they're training in, in their yards. And it's kind of fun to see.
0: Yeah, I imagine. Um, There's locally, there's a company called the Cincinnati Circus Company, where they have uh, local acrobats and stuff. They're not your typical circus; Mm -hmm. they don't really tour, to my understanding. But it's more like you can hire them if you've got a if you're a really rich family and you have a three year old's birthday. Um, But they do, you know, you can hire them for sword swallowing and face painting and stuff like that. You know, that stuff too. But they uh, in the Clifton area of Cincinnati, near the University of Cincinnati, have this whole like high wire setup where they practice and stuff. So when I used to work out there, I used to see them doing it every once in a while. So very cool. Awesome. Welcome back to the world, uh, PT Barnum and friends. Yeah. Maybe we'll try to get somebody, track somebody down. That's,
1: uh, you know, associated with, with this and get them on our podcast to talk
0: about the comeback. I would, I would love that. Awesome. Well, Don, do you have any final thoughts for, uh, today's festivities?
1: You know, we mentioned at the beginning, you know, talking about the opportunity to sponsor the podcast. So just want to throw that out there one more time that, uh, you know, we believe that, uh, you know, we're, we're building our audience here and you're going to get in front of a lot of the right people for your brand, uh, your product. Uh, so, uh, you know, connect with us on Twitter and and let's talk about it. And let's get you involved.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Reach out to us on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. So once again, if you are watching us via YouTube then, and you prefer to do audio, we can be found on all your favorite podcast apps. That's uh, Google, uh, Google, Spotify, Apple, you, you know the ones because you use them. Um, if you're listening to us, welcome, but you would really probably want to see our pretty faces by following us on YouTube. Uh, link in the description, but you can also search for the Attractions Group podcast there. Uh, if you want to make a small donation to support the show, we've got a Buy Me a Coffee link down in the description, where you can make a small donation. You don't have to do that. People were asking how they can help out. That's a way to help out. But awesome. Well Don, It's another one in the books.
1: Another one in the books, and uh, we'll have a, a guest back on next week. And uh, we, you know, we appreciate everybody that uh, you know has uh, listened to our podcast uh, this episode and the others. And uh, for you know subscribing to our channels, those of you that have done that already or follow us on Twitter, you know we've really had a nice um increase of Twitter followers over the past couple of weeks, so we want to welcome all of them on board and really our our twitter it's almost you know gonna get to the point to where it could be one stop shopping for you in terms of all the latest news notes and information that's going on around the industry
0: yeah um we' were actually to the point now where um i'm not gonna name any names, but I did have somebody reach out to me recently saying like uh, they sent me something that's going on in their organization within the amusement industry. And they said, if you want to let people know, here's some photos, and it, you know, which uh, we totally welcome. We're here to, to let people know what's yeah. going on. So cool. Good for them. Awesome. All right, Don. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for co-hosting with me t- this evening. It's, uh, it's been another fun one talking about the terminology again. We'll be back t- next week and everyone have a good night.